Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. It's a simple tweak, but I urge you to incorporate it into everything that you do online and in live gigs from now on. This should be how you're talking to your audience and your prospective listeners. But it's especially important for releasing music and actually helping people to feel excited to listen to your music, especially online, where we are bombarded by so many things popping up in our face, asking us to take action on something. So give your music the best shot possible, but also give other people the best chance possible to have a meaningful connection with it. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel, and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to Girls Twiddling Knobs. Now, I hope that you're well and keeping your chin up because this has been a very strange and challenging time. And this episode goes out live um, when the UK has been shaken by the volatile and disconcerting events that have unfolded surrounding the murder of Sarah Everard. And while music is often a source of strength and a vital form of self-expression, the music industry is far from being a safe haven for all women, non-binary and gender non-conforming people. But I hope that you feel that this podcast is a place of safety and a ray of hope. And I am very pleased to be a companion here with you each and every week. Now, if you've fallen in love with all things Girls Twiddling Knobs, do rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening from, because it just might help a fellow musician find this space too. But let's get into this week's topic, which is a really important but widely misunderstood part of the recording process, and that is self-releasing your music. Now, I have a lot of experience of this myself. I've released four self-produced albums, which have amassed over 25 million Spotify streams and have been played on national radio multiple times. I've also released EPs and singles too, 
and made music videos that I am so incredibly proud to put my name to as well. And I've done all of this as a totally DIY artist. No record label, no publisher, not even a manager. But it's also been really hard at times and I've made my fair share of mistakes. And it's only been through trial and error that I now feel confident with the release process. However, I definitely wouldn't say it feels easy because the music industry is always changing and you're always having to tweak and evolve. But I do have some great advice that I wish I could have given my younger self and it still holds true in 2021 as well. So I'm going to share my top three self-releasing mistakes and crucially how you can avoid them. Ready? Let's do this. So firstly, let's start with what self-releasing music actually is. You might think it's pretty obvious, but in fact, self-releasing can look very different for different artists. So here's some examples of self-releasing. You could be releasing a single, which could be one track or a track with a B-side. You could release an EP, which typically is up to about six tracks, um, although that can vary. Um, You could be releasing an album, though, and you could even be releasing a deluxe album, which has a live version of every song as a kind of B-side to the album. But you could also be releasing a remix album, of another album and you could be doing both a digital release and a physical release with CDs, vinyl, cassette tapes. Um, You could also be doing a music release with or without a tour of live gigs and you could be doing a release that has a whole two-year lead-up and you could release music with no lead-up at all and you could be releasing once every three years or you could be releasing something every two weeks. So you see that there's so many options when it comes to self-releasing music. There's really not a kind of hard and fast right or wrong way to do it as well. But crucially, you're putting out your music. That's self-releasing. And sometimes people do it through their own label. Sometimes people set up a label to release their own music. Sometimes people even release through another label, but they're doing most of the work as well. That's quite common if it's a very small label. And there's no right or wrong way. It's a very personal process, releasing music. It's also hard to predict which way will work for you and your music. And there's a fair bit of luck involved, as with anything that you put out into the world. And that being said... Here's three mistakes that I would highly recommend you avoid. So mistake number one is not having a plan. It's easy to think, well, I don't know what I'm doing with releasing, so I might as well just do whatever. And I like a can-do spirit, don't get me wrong, but it still helps to have a plan. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but it's easy to start thinking, well, If I plan something and then it fails, that's going to feel like an even bigger failure. Whereas at least if I say, well, I didn't really try that hard, I didn't really have a plan, then whatever comes or doesn't come feels a little easier to take. But if you do make a plan, you'll learn so much more if you do fail, whatever that means, or if your release doesn't turn out exactly how you'd like it to. Because what you can do is you can look back at that plan and see exactly what you did, and reflect on what you might do differently. But more to the point, you'll think of things that you wouldn't otherwise, and probably experience more success too. Um, Because 
when you plan, your brain starts to make new creative connections. You start to see new possibilities because you're actually intentionally thinking through the process of releasing music. And so you're probably going to become more intentional in general and you will therefore see it go further than it might have done before. And when it comes to planning, you might think, well, Isabel, what do you mean planning out the release? Well, planning can go deep and the more release, the deeper it will get. But planning could involve listing out blogs, journalists and radio contacts to get in touch with and having a log where you've gotten with making contact with those people, for example. It could be a carefully thought through budget so you know what you're spending, especially if you don't have a lot of spare cash to splash. Um, It could also be a detailed inventory of merch and sales, so how many CDs you've got, how many sales you've made. But to start off, I would recommend that every DIY musician should have a release timeline. Now, this should map out what you're aiming to do when. So when is the album dropping? Will you also be releasing singles and when will they go out? Will you be releasing videos too and when do they go out? When will you need to contact press and radio in order for them to be able to review or spotlight your release? And will you be doing a launch or a tour or even just a listening party online? All of this can and should be mapped out and it will help you to truly build momentum and feel way more prepared and in control. And it will also mean that you can look back and reflect on what worked and what didn't work so well for next time. You'll likely also find that you need more time to release your music than you think you do. So many people I talk to, and I was the same at first, you finish your recording and you think, oh my God, I've got to get this music out right now. I need everyone to hear it now. And it's so tempting to just give yourself a couple of weeks, a month even, when you're first releasing music. Trust me, especially if you're releasing an album, You need much more time than that. I would say even minimum six months because you need to give yourself the best chance and your music the best chance possible of it making a splash. Trust me, this is important. It's much better to push back your release if you need to rather than just rushing it. So mistake number two is not applying for funding. Now, my first album... Coldwater Songs was released with no funding whatsoever, no funding at all. I did, however, get free studio time by myself during my MA, which I've talked about before on the podcast when I self-recorded and produced the whole thing. But I had £100 to get the CD made, which I burnt on my Mac using iTunes by hand myself, and I hand glued together all of the sleeves myself as well. What I didn't realise was that there are pots of funding out there for musicians to record and also invest in merch too and release. So when I released my second and my third albums, I had applied for funding and was awarded funding by the Northern Irish Arts Council. And this covered some of the recording time and also some of the merch. But for my fourth album, I was able to secure funding for recording, mastering, music videos, PR radio and touring from different sources. And I'm not saying that you should be aiming for that right off the bat. That takes time to build up a track record, contacts, um, a knowledge of the release process, all of those things, and also a knowledge of applying for funding. 
But I wish that I'd been more clued up on this process from the beginning. Because not only does it mean that you have some kind of budget, even if it's just a small budget, it also means you may have some impartial people who can advise you, who are linked to that funding body. It could also mean that there's people who might open new networks and opportunities for you too. It's also become a vital part of the DIY artist's toolkit and many indie labels release strategies as well. This will be part of their strategy is that they will secure funding. It also builds your confidence in your music and helps you to value what you do. If somebody is saying, yes, we are going to invest a £1,000 in your next release, that really helps with your confidence. And I absolutely do not advocate that you look for, you know, just external validation with your music. But I do think it's going to help you take your music more seriously. And you can also sometimes get to meet the other artists who are funded by the same funding body and scheme. And that can start to build some great new artistic relationships too. So in short, actually acquiring funding can significantly expand your horizons, not just financially, but artistically and um, and in, in terms of industry contacts as well, and in terms of your own self-esteem and confidence. So I'd really recommend that you check out the Funding Wizard on Help Musicians UK's website to find some funding pots that you could apply for if you're based in the UK. And if you're not based in the UK, there'll be other equivalent funding schemes and information. So do go and search for them. The link is in the show notes for the Help Musicians UK Funding Wizard. So mistake number three. Now, this is so important, but it's so difficult to really understand until you start properly drilling down into it. And what it is, is making it all about you. This is one of the biggest mistakes that I and I see other musicians have made, um, especially if you're DIY, because it's easy to think that this is how you market your new release, especially on social media. Do you recognise this? Just listen to me promoting an album here. Check out my new album. I've just released it. I'm so proud of it. I can't wait for you to hear it. It's taken so long to put together. It's been so much work, but I'm so proud of it now. And I can't wait for you to listen to it. So check out my album, go and buy it and support my music. That's very common for us to hear on social media um, and also at gigs as well. And I totally get why you would frame your album release like that and how you would message the album release. But this is what we see friends and musical colleagues doing all the time. And this is all most of us think to do when trying to share our music. But there's two problems here. Number one, it's totally all about you and you asking for a favour, really. And number two, it's nothing about the people you're talking to. Now, I wish I'd become more aware of how to effectively market my music, but on my terms earlier on. Because marketing can seem like a terribly sleazy thing to have to do. As independent musicians, we can often scoff at the idea of selling our music, marketing our music, When in fact, that's exactly what we need to do because no one else is going to do it for us. You have to build a following now in order to even have the option of turning down a record deal in 2021. And so you do have to start to drill down into how to effectively market your music. 
And I think that what comes naturally to people is this sense of, I've done this thing, I'm really proud of it, I'd love you to listen to it, go and check it out. But there's actually another way which will build so much more connection, will feel so much more creative for you and meaningful and will actually probably make it feel less and less like marketing. So there's three things that I'd love you to tap into when you're next releasing music. And these are the emotions your music touches, the values your music stands for and the story your music tells. This is what all of your marketing should lead with. These three things, the emotions it touches, the values it stands for and the stories it tells. That's what's going to create connection and intimacy and a relationship with the people that you hope are going to listen to your music and value it as much as you do. So lead with these things on all of your marketing And here's a very different sentence that encapsulates all of these things, which could be for the same release as the one that I just showed you at the beginning of this section. So here's a different way of marketing an album. You ready? Okay. Many of us have experienced loneliness over the past year. And while it's a difficult feeling to sit with, my new album seeks to explore and understand it more deeply. Through the 12 tracks I've charted the last 12 months and the different shades of loneliness I've experienced. It's out now and you can take a listen here. So that feels so different because it's about creating connection with other people and being able to think about what is it about this music that they are going to find compelling and meaningful and, um, and of worth The emotions that that type of messaging or marketing touched was loneliness, obviously. The values that it stands for is better awareness of loneliness. And the story that it tells is how your experience of loneliness has evolved over the last 12 months as a musician. So if I've been experiencing loneliness over the last year, which probably many, many people have, I'm going to be curious about how you've tackled that, what I might learn about that experience, whether it might be a comfort to me if I'm still lonely. I think you'll agree that this is so much more compelling, intriguing and outward focused than the usual listen to my music post we see so often on social media. It's actually quite a simple tweak to change that focus from just here's my release and I want you to listen to it to this is the emotions that I'm dealing with and this is the story it's telling and these are the values. It's a simple tweak, but I urge you to incorporate it into everything that you do online and in live gigs from now on. This should be how you're talking to your audience and your prospective listeners. But it's especially important for releasing music and actually helping people to feel excited to listen to your music, especially online, where we are bombarded by so many things popping up, adverts, requests, people doing charity raising, you know, loads of different times where something pops in our face asking us to take action on something. So give your music the best shot possible, but also give other people the best chance possible to have a meaningful connection with it. And lastly, I just want to share one important thing to remember when you're releasing music. And it's the most important thing to remember. This is a little bonus one for you. So don't try and do it all perfectly right off the bat. I certainly did not do any of it perfectly when I first released music. I did it incredibly imperfectly. 
but know it will take releasing your music multiple times to really feel like you know what you're doing. It's much better to just start imperfectly and just know that it takes practice because it really does take practice, but please make sure you do it. Don't get put off by the idea that your first release may not be a massive success. That's okay. It's really important to see this as a long game because hopefully this will be a lifelong pursuit and even career in music for you. So there we have it. Three things that you can implement if you're planning on releasing new music now or in the future. Number one, make a proper plan, even if you don't know what you're doing. The more you plan and then execute that plan, the more you'll learn about making a plan. Number two, apply for funding, even if you're scared you won't be successful. Again, it's about practice. And if you are successful, it could be such a game changer for your next release. And then number three, make it about connecting with your audience, not all about you. So think about the emotions, the values and the story that your music is connecting with and what that might mean for other people too. These three things will make your experience of releasing music so much more enjoyable and I'm willing to bet successful. And remember to not try and do it all perfectly. Self-releasing music takes practice to really dial in. Each time you release, you will learn more and more about the process and your confidence and knowledge will come through releasing, not through endless researching and procrastination. And remember, if you loved this episode and you're a fully signed up knob twiddler, do rate and review the podcast because it really could help another female identifying musician find this wonderful space as well. Now, in next week's episode, I'm very excited to be welcoming composer, producer and BBC Radio 3 presenter Hannah Peel onto the podcast, where she'll be telling us about her new album, Fur Wave. Now, Hannah is an Emmy-nominated artist whose music joins the dots between science, nature and the creative arts through her explorative approach to electronic, classical and traditional music. So I can't wait for you to hear her talk about her work on the podcast. But till then, take care and I will catch you here soon. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls twiddling knobs love.